I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Pottsful, always with a brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and we're your favorite two black runners coming at you every single two black, two the 909 this that i e love today we got this we got a special guest bro i'm hype i'm hype for this i almost busted a blood vessel on my neck right now yelling <laughs> bro, that thing that thing is bulging out though no cap <laughs> that thing is bulging. you good i'm good i'm good i'm good all right but man dude like for real we really do have a great guest and a great interview but it's just exciting to be back on interviews we took like a two-week break like aaron we were busy bro aaron was super busy with work this dude went all the way to montana i just got surgery got my appendix out i was down and out but we back we back we yeah. back we doing some things and trying to just make it happen leading into this olympic cycle and i like we've been saying and it's black Burns podcast in this next season we wanted to bring on people that you're going to see in the tokyo olympics and that's what we have exactly here today we're going to have that next week as well with another great guest and we're just bringing you guys great content bro like aaron they should be hyped huh they should be hyped i don't know how you can't be hyped this season two of two black runners your favorite two black runners out here just giving the people what they want and you know the guests are going to continue to file in and that's what i love the most about what we do is being able to hear people's stories and share perspectives so i'm super excited for everybody to, you know, to get to meet someone that's gonna be out there competing. You're gonna have someone to root, root for now. And, and you know, once you come on the Two Black Runners, you part of the fam. So Dunno. everybody that listens, you Dunno. gotta support this athlete that we got on, got on right here. And you know, we really supporting her because she's from our area. She really been doing this for yeah. a minute from the 909. My, my area code is 951. I don't know why though. That's just the number they give me. But 909, 951, let's just put it, let's put it there. Don't shake your head, bro. Don't shake your head. But, hey, that's what, that's how you just put me there. But she put on, she's a two-time state champion in high school. She's a state champion at the JUCO level as well in California. She's been the world juniors in the high jump. She was at the Olympic trials in the high jump, finished fourth place, now an Olympian as well. Rachel McCoy is on the podcast. Our first ever field eventer. A field eventer? Is that is that how you say it? I'm getting I'm, yeah, I'm a big field event guy. First ever high jumper on the podcast. Rachel, how's it going? It's going pretty well. How are you guys doing? I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing all right. Got surgery, but we cool, we cool. I took right. some narcos yesterday. Took some narcos, feeling a little better. Oh yeah. We popping those pills. We popping those pills. I gotta be truthful on the pod, bro. I gotta be truthful. It was kinda hurting yesterday. You know what I mean? It's okay. I know we're super stoked to have you on so much so. Joshua Joshua fighting through some pain, but how are you? You just qualified for the Olympics. You are an Olympian. Like, how does it feel to like say that that's forever that's forever it, it is um every day you know it kind of hits me a little bit more the other day i was talking to a friend and i was just spaced out like wow i'm gonna be measuring my mark like putting my mark down at the olympics amongst the world's greatest high jumpers you know mm -hmm. and it was a little intimidating because i've never done such a thing but i'm excited and like, how could you not be as well? Like, I feel like it has to be such a surreal moment. How exciting was it when you, you found out you got fourth place, so you weren't like exactly on the team yet, but you mm -hmm. got the standard. But when you like made like your final jump, or I believe that you like missed your final jump, and then that was what put you in the position. Like once you got that fourth place, like what was sort of going through your mind when knowing like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna make it, I'm right outside the medal count. What was going through your mind when, like after the Olympic trials? I was actually just upset that I wasn't going home with a medal. In my head, I was always going to be on the team because, mm -hmm. um, you know, the second and third place at the time didn't have the 196 standard. So the odds were in my favor. Of course, later on, we learned that there are some rule complications with world rankings, but, you know, all in all, it worked out well. But my initial reaction was just upset that I was not going home with a medal. Yeah. And those medals are kind of clean because then they, they have were, like, they had uh, old Hayward Field in the middle or something like that. It was so cool. It, you know, to me, it was the first professional medal that they were giving out in a brand new stadium. And I was almost like in my head, I was destined to be on the podium, obviously. So when suddenly the plans that I had made didn't really work out the way I thought they were, it was like, oh, well, dang. 
And that's that's a drive for a medal in Tokyo, though, for mm-hmm. real. Yeah, yeah. That's what my coach is telling me I'm just meant for a bigger, better medal. Yeah, and how how was that feeling though when you first got that call to finally know like, hey, you're officially officially on the team. Where were you at, and what was that like? That experience. Ironically, I was at a jump practice that I just wasn't too happy with. So <laughs> the call I got was like it was. Unfortunately, like I said, I just wasn't having the greatest practice. But the call itself was more like a a sense of calmness like okay we can stop checking the world rankings now like we could we I could sleep better now knowing that my position is solidified so it was it was all in all a breath of fresh air yeah and I feel like me and Josh were talking about it it's like everyone that made the Olympics this year went through something you know because we all went through COVID you had to wait a whole extra year and then on top of that you have this happened at the trials, um, getting that fourth place, but having the standard and have to go through those complications and controversy. What was it like just going into to the trials with just so much just going on in the world and and the sport? Going into the trials, um, you know, I was just grateful that we were even having them. I know um, it was almost like up until the last minute, they didn't know if they would have spectators. They didn't know if Uh, Eugene would allow them to have the meet in general so just just really grateful that they were able to put on such a great meet at such a great facility I mean Eugene Oregon is always great when it comes to track and field they always the Hayward magic is real it is real ask my competitors it's real (laughs) and also I'm let's talk about the stadium real quick because me and Aaron were actually going to be down there uh, in August for the Prefontaine Classic. Oh, but, I'll be there. I, but, I should also be there. Hey, hey, lit, lit. But uh, <laughs> how how is just that that stadium and just the atmosphere like? If you could describe it like in one word, or what was it like just walking in there for the first time and, and thinking like I'm actually going to be competing here? Oh, gee, if I could describe it in one word, I, I would say magical. Like it's it's the only time I've been in a, a track and field stadium. Like usually it's a it's a track, but like this is a, an entire stadium. They have a, um, you know, underneath the bleachers where you walk through onto the track for the for, uh, the competitors. Mm. So it was it was really cool to have. It, it was like a real meet, you know, like it was. I imagine that's what international meets will feel like. But yeah. it was just it was great being there. Everything so enclosed and so intimate with the fans as well. I have a question too, just like what event did you see there like on the track or on the field that really captivated you? Because there was like a whole bunch that, well, Shakari Richardson had everybody talking, Gabby Thomas, but I believe you were there in the first session, like yeah. the first week. So what what event that you saw that would really like blew you away? I always love watching Grant Holloway with the 110 hurdles. That's probably, I don't even know if I was on the field. Um, chances are if I'm on the field, I'm not trying to pay attention to anything else going on. Uh-huh. But I do know... Uh, the men's decathlete pole vaulters, or at, when they were pole vaulting, one of the guys just went off and was PRing in every event he was in. So that was really fun to watch. Yeah, I like I like watching Grant too. When he ran that what 12, 12, 8. Wait, no, not, not 12, 8. Wait, what am I? I'm getting this totally wrong the, the time. But he when he ran that almost world record. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was insane. That was definitely insane. And but moving on. I've ever seen him go over hurdles. I was just like, does he know that there's something in front of him? The way he came out the box, it was like, oh my gosh, does he know what race he's in? I'm sure he did. He never really scared. (laughs) No, Um, not at all. One other thing, you know, before we get deeper into this, you know, me and Joshua, we both from the IE, you from the IE, and a lot of people listening, they're like, what is, I mean, I guess we got our IE fans. Shout out to the IE fans listening, (laughs) you know, but. So there's a lot of people they don't know about the IE. What does it mean to represent Fontana, uh, the IE? You know, why is that? Why is that important to you? And I, and I know every from the everyone from the IE understand it though. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't say like it's a rivalry with any other, you know, like LA or the North, Northern yeah. California or anything like that. But I like to make it. I mean, the Inland Empire is huge. Mm-hmm. So for I, sometimes I feel like we're overlooked as as an area when there's such great athletes that come out of the area. You know, we have like Fontana, Rialto, Riverside. I mean, it's it's a huge area. So yeah, like 
you know, you just kind of walk around with a chip on your shoulder because you know you you made it out of there and you're still representing. Yeah, I like about it too is like, I feel like you are just another another person to add on to that list now making the Olympics because usually you only really hear IE when it's coming out of Reggie Miller's mouth on NBA t on TNT oh, right. when he's talking when he's talking about like oh Kawhi Leonard and mm -hmm. then he brings up like Ronda Rousey but now we can also bring up we can bring up Michael Norman we could bring yes. up Brittany Brown we can bring up Rachel McCoy we could also bring up Brenda Martinez too and, like, the work they've done, <laughs> the work they've done. Like, that's a nice list bro that's Whoa. a nice list come on y'all that's a nice list so like just being out there like at the trials as well and like seeing peers that grew up from that same area like at the trials and now at the olympics or just at that elite level how was how was that seen as somewhere being from the ie that's usually overlooked and not doesn't get the attention as a la or orange county or san diego well you know it's funny like two of the names that you just said i didn't even know they're from the inland empire so that's great news i would just you know I represent the Inland Empire with a tattoo. You know, I'm not expecting everybody to get a tattoo, of course. I just yeah. wanted the people back home to know when I'm wearing my uniform, that's who I'm representing. So I can only hope that the other athletes from that area find their own way to represent where we're from. Most definitely. Yeah. Shout out Corey Carter too. Oh, Corey yeah. Carter's Corey. from the Inland Empire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. so crazy. She lives in Austin. I see her like kind of often. Yeah, she well, she's like on the border. She on like, yeah, she got the. Oh. She on the border though, Claremont. Come on, but she on the opposite IE. I'm gonna ask her. My one area code, Joshua. Come on, bro. <laughs> hey man, they, that's what they gave me. That's Verizon. We Verizon. They gotta change that. <laughs> Verizon gotta change that. But then as well, like we want to kind of rewind it real quick and like really get to where like you kind of find found high jump and just sport in general. But when was like the first time when like you were back as a kid, when you found yourself like being competitive or you really like started sticking to like sports? Like, could you go back in time and kind of bring us back to like that moment? I, I wasn't in an organized sport until going into my freshman year of high school, ironically, um, but competitive spirit has always been there. I have an, a brother that's older than me by five years and every chance I got, do you want to race Curtis? Do you want to, I bet you I can do this faster. I bet you I can do this better. Yeah. So it was competitive just away from sport. Um, my freshman year of high school, I was introduced to basketball. So that's then when I pursued that journey. So you didn't play basketball like before then, like just on the playground or nothing? No, not, nope. <laughs> And that's 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 crazy because well for the people they don't they don't know yet but I'm about to tell them like you ended up getting like a scholarship for basketball and that's like initially what you you were going to do so the fact that like Aaron this girl is talented that's all I got she's she's talented hey I didn't see that in my research I didn't know that she got a scholarship for basketball too yep I went to Long Island University in Brooklyn for half a second. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But we also wanted to ask you, who was that person that initially brought you to the sport of track and field? You came out doing uh, basketball, which is basketball is in the spring. I, I would, I think, I believe so, right? Winter sport. Yeah. Um, it was actually my basketball teammate, Terrace Williams, dragged me to the track. I didn't even, I've had no interest whatsoever in doing high jump. I didn't understand why anybody would want to go over something backwards or how that even happened. So, yeah. you know, she, she dragged me onto the apron and had me try it. I think I had on some Air Force Ones, the heaviest shoes ever. And I was like getting over heights that no one else was getting over. I think it was like five feet the second day of practice. So after that happened, it was kind of like, okay, this is fun because I'm good at it. Yeah, I still don't understand it, but I get to jump really high and the bar keeps going up. So as long as I keep jumping high, I'm still in the competition. I was going to say, how, how did your uh, first year at high jump, how did that end? Did you, because I know you made it to state twice. Was that one of the years that you made it to state? It wasn't. So my track season got pulled prematurely because I got in trouble at home. But I was on my way to, to I think I was able to finish CIF um, or not CIF. See, whatever little league we were in, in high school, oh, okay. Citrus Belt League, I was able to finish through that and then I had to end my season. So then for, did you keep on doing, you did basketball all four years and high jump? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did high jump 
2011, 2013, and then I did basketball all four years. Down top, like you did 2011, 2013, you both win the state titles. Like, what were like, I know that those aren't like the biggest crowning achievements compared to going to the Olympics and you went to World Juniors and even like Juco State, but going on and like winning in like 2011 and 2013, that's like a, they're just like, cause you're, you're there, you're the sophomore and you get the dove, like, okay, it's cool. You come back, senior, like you just take a year off, like to some people, at least to some people, different parts, take a year off and you come back senior year and right. do it again. Like, what was like, what was your attitude towards high jump during your high school years, like in your sophomore year in high school and, and senior year? My sophomore year was more so um, just getting my feet wet with continuing on the season, you know, it was my first time I went beyond our basic um, league, you know, mm -hmm. like the CBL league, I think it was called. So like, this was the first time I went to CIF and then uh, I think there was masters after, and then there was state. So, I mean, the, the winning jump that one state, I actually wasn't even planning on jumping. I was planning on doing a run through. So that's how yeah. new and, you know, nervous I was that I didn't even know when I was gonna jump or not. I didn't have a mark, I didn't have tape. I just kind of went back there and just looked and what? just jumped over like that. Damn, that's just raw talent. And I really do think like we see it with, uh, I was just even my experience just running track, like high jumpers are some of the best athletes on the team, if not the best athlete. Like well, I remember you. a shout out to Juan, <laughs> my homie from APU, like this dude had so much just raw talent. Maybe he didn't practice the hardest, but he was at least going to get six, six ten easy. And then we out playing basketball. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like Javon Harrison, I think his name is from LSU. Yeah. yeah, just like how does he do this in both long and high jump? I have no idea. That don't make sense <laughs> at all. <That's> just... <laughs> I didn't even know that's possible. I didn't mean, I thought that's illegal. Like, I th like that's, right. you, do that. you know what I mean? Like, bro. He's taking home two gold medals, but. Yeah, like, hey, man, No one's gonna stop him. Hey, spread it around, spread it around, spread the love. <laughs> like, you know, take it all, take it all. That would be crazy. <laughs> but then also like in the, going into your, your senior year then, like what was your attitude uh, by then? Did you become more of a student of the sport then by your senior year or more, or dive more into high jump? I wish. No, I was actually super apprehensive on even jumping my senior year because I had to reclaim my title. Like someone took my title because I wasn't there to defend it. So senior year was like returning back to the stage that I left in search of something that was mine before. So I talked to my athletic director, John Romanoli, Rome for short, and he just kind of talked me into it and just said, you know, you never know what will happen. So it, I was more focused in my own way. For some strange and odd reason, I just thought all I had to do was calf raises. So all I did working out was like calf raises, <laughs> but I guess it boosted my confidence. So during this time, like your senior year, where you're kind of apprehensive to the high jump, you're still playing basketball. Like what's going on with like the, the, the scholarship talks? Like once you started, was it like the success at high jump that made you want to like, you know, do you pursue that in the college ranks or were you more leaning towards like your basketball side and wanting to play basketball at the next level? So I was always leaning more towards basketball. I'm not sure why, but I just always was. Um, now, when I did get to New York, it was a conversation with the coaches that I did want to also do track and field. Okay. So, you know, it wasn't completely out of my mental. It was just on the side. So with that too, because I seen your your Kobe, you got the Kobe in the in the background. Of course. Is that where that like competitive nature since you've been like a child? Like you you didn't start playing. Is that what brought you into basketball? Was it Kobe? I you know, I wish I could say it was, but no, it wasn't. It was it was a funny little story. My um I call him my uncle. We were at my cousin's softball tournament and there are some blacktop basketball courts around the corner. So during the break. Um, he took me over there because I've always been tall and he took me over there to just, you know, shoot around. And there's some guys across the court from us trying to jump and grab the rim. 
And I just started kind of laughing at him because they couldn't do it. And he asked me, you know, like, well, will you, can you? And I said, yes. So in my Chuck Taylors, I jumped up and grabbed the rim. And since, you know, ever since then that he started working with me as far as post moves and just, he brought me to A.B. Miller and introduced me to the Miller coach, Mel Wilkins, who took me under his wings and developed that skill. But it was never, you know, if I would have never ran into my uncle at that blacktop, then I probably wouldn't have played basketball. Wow. And that led to, that led to track. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's, it's like the Chuck, perfect dominoes. And, yeah. <laughs> and Chuck Taylors. And, and Chuck, Chuck Taylors. yeah. Had to Chuck bring him back. for basketball, Air Force Ones for high jump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Then going on, going on from that though, you went to Long Island, did your time there, then you went back to, to Chafee. How was that experience going to the JUCO in California? And like you did some great things at Juco, like you were a state champion, you ended up going to like the World Juniors. But just going from, I also went from, uh, I went to Cal State Northridge my first year in uh, of college. And then I bounced back to Mount Sac my second year. So I also did like that bounce back. But like, how was that experience from you like bouncing back to a Juco, like in that situation? And you, you said you're only there on Long Island for a set. Right. So to dive into that, I um, I got rid of the scholarship, violating the national letter of intent, which is your scholarship. So doing that, I um, I wasn't able to comp- compete in an NCAA school for like a year or something in that nature. So I decided to go to the JUCO, and it was it was really tough, actually. Upon leaving New York, I went to Las Vegas because I was so adamant on not going back home because I wanted to rebuild what I just tore down. But in going back home, it gave me time to regroup and get my bearings and to just continue on this path just on a different track, which I meant to go to Mount Sac, ironically, but the coach never got back to me, weird. But um, I ended up going to Chafee instead. And yeah, it was it was certainly a, a shock. Yeah, what was it like? You're saying it was a shock. And I know because you signed that national letter of intent to go to New York, which is ways away from the IE, you know, and then you 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 don't initially come straight back, but you end up back on the West Coast. Um, mm-hmm. How did you how did you just get through that time? I know that had to be hard from going from such a such a high winning winning yeah. state, you know, signing, signing, about to play basketball or run track and then having to come back. And figure take. it out. Yeah, uh, it was really tough. Um, what really helped me get through was my mother. You know, mm-hmm. she, she just always showed me that it's not always gonna go as planned and okay, you might've made a mistake, but what are we gonna do to keep it going? Like, what are we gonna do to get you back on track. She never made me feel like any decision I made was absolutely permanent and not coming back from. So my mother yeah. really helped me out a lot. And I feel like that's just, I'm, I'm pretty sure like you kept on, kept that message like going on as you moved through the next stages of your life and you went through Chafee, got that, that's, I, I, I hate the, the acronym for that leap, the C-C-A-A-C, like, come on, there's so many C's and A's. <laughs> I feel like that's what it was. It's like C-C-A-A-C, like, what is this for? The, just call it the California Duco State, I don't know. You win the state title and you go like to World Juniors, and I believe it was in Eugene as well, mm-hmm. like, for, and for it. So like, getting, getting to that level, is that when you start to dive more into like high jump or was it still kind of just like, oh, no tape, let me see how it is and let me get over it? I think by that time, I actually had a mark. At this point in time, I had to get into high jump because basketball was no longer an option. So if I was going to do something athletically in my life, it it had to have been high jump because I, you know, already shot myself in the foot with basketball. But um, was there was there a thought of not doing anything athletically like after you came back from uh, Long Island? the the thing that really stuck with me coming back from Long Island was like, I, I can't remember who even said this, but someone had said I was a waste of talent. So from mm-hmm. then, I just wanted to make sure that I was never going to be a waste of talent. And that's actually a lot of what drove me to continue to like go to Chafee and then, you know, continue just to have a career. 
yeah i feel that i feel that that they always say like the haters can be your biggest motivators that's that that's that ie that's that ie that's that i don't know why i just forget that yeah i i wouldn't forget that either like (laughs) come on man you gonna say that's like that's yeah that's that's right you know and then but you did like you ended up like proving them wrong Mm -hmm. went out the world juniors i believe you finished like in the top 10 out there and like fourth ironically that's just fourth for some reason my favorite number it's eugene huh it's something about eugene. it must be yeah <laughs> that's hey world, world champs you'll beat that though world champs absolutely don't, hey don't ie <laughs> but uh you go on go on from there like and then after that like you didn't go back to like uh did you go back you didn't go like to have like a, a ncaa career like after that like after Chafee. never did like what was like what went into that decision because usually that's like the normal route unless you like go pro out of high school so like what's the I actually going to the JC after attending a four-year activated good old NCAA rules so you have to go from a four-year to a two-year in order to go back to a four-year I would have had to have gotten my associate's degree Mm. To me, I didn't have time for that. And especially, you know, you guys are from there. Going to a JUCO in California, I mean, you have seven high schools graduating seniors going to that one JUCO, you know. So finding classes were dif- difficult. Yeah. Being a track and field athlete, we didn't necessarily get priority registration. So I knew that the two-year route was not necessarily an option for me because I was on a different time frame. So you were just like, well, well, by NCAAs, I'm just gonna go straight to the Olympics. It's yeah. All good. Where did where did that come from? Where did that com- where did that confidence come from? Um, after Junior Worlds, it just opened my eyes to what I could do with this talent, and you know, the whole USA Track and Field staff for that Junior Worlds competition was so welcoming, and you know, I, I actually stumbled onto the Junior Worlds like. It was my first time going to nationals, being signed up for nationals, um, attending Chafee. And I was in a jump off between me and another competitor. And I thought all I got was a t-shirt, you know, for winning Uh the jump off. But turns out like I got on the junior world's team and got a complete uniform. So I literally stumbled onto that level, but I was able to compete at that level. So, and I, that's where I met my now coach Sue Humphrey was actually at that meet. And um, she had, after I had exited the competition, she pulled me to the side and just told me her name, told me who and what she did and expressed how great my potential is. So I, I don't know, I'm a believer in signs of the universe and I feel like things don't happen on accident. So I had to capitalize and pursue that. And like reading into you, it seems like uh, like the, one of the first people you always bring up is like after your Olympic performance or your articles on you is Sue Humphrey, your coach. So like, what is that relationship kind of like with just the the two of you now that's developed over what, three, is it three years oh, now or four years now, something like that? Five years. Five. Oh, it's, Co- coach Sue is my guardian angel. Like she's more than a coach to me. She's my mentor. She, she you know, so she's my grandmother sometimes. Like she's probably the first person that really distilled to me unconditional love because Mm -hmm. um, I moved out to Texas when I was maybe 20, either 19 or 20. And I just wasn't in the best headspace because of everything that I had put myself through. And to sit here as an adult and realize like she took the brunt of all of this, of all of this anger I had, of all this young naivety, and she never left. She she didn't have any conditions for her love. And that really showed a lot to me. I think that's awesome that you're able to find that um, mm-hmm. someone like that to support you because what I've, I've just seen from your story is like, I'm just so, so amazed by like the confidence you've always had from, <laughs> you know, as a, as a, as a like a freshman or eighth grader, just being yeah. like those boys can't touch the rim i could do that that's easy work you yeah. know you're going up to the high jump i don't need a mark let me just <laughs> lean back and just hit yeah. that and then even after you know everything that happened at long island you even tried before going to chafee you tried to fix it on your own mm-hmm. in vegas so you were making like very like kind of grown 
an end you're grown an independent person it seems like yeah. your entire I life try I, i've tried to be grown but in trying to be grown i you know fell upon all these life-changing decisions that i made thinking i was grown mm -hmm. so now being grown actually grown i am learning to listen to other actually grown people and take their words into consideration instead of being like, no, I got this, I'm independent, I'm an adult, I know what I'm doing. So there, there was a lot of growing up to do even when I thought I was grown. Is that where you started to see like the biggest shift in like your performance in the high jump as well? Absolutely. And I would say it was rather recent, maybe in 2020, like summer of 2020, I started to, I made a decision to listen and it was, probably the biggest impact I've had that's had on my career. What was like the the biggest change for you? Like, was it technically, was it something that you had to do like uh, like with your strength or with your, your sprinting that you have to get right in your high jump that you really had to listen to to like get to this next level? Oh, it was positions. It was all technicalities. High jump is such a weird event because going from being the athlete where I can just power up and jump, you know, that's what I was doing up until junior worlds i got over six two just by jumping straight up you know yeah. but when i met coach sue we then had to break down so many habits and and reinforce high jump habits where we use physics and positions so it was just being comfortable and being accepting that these weird positions that my coach is telling me i need to come to the bar with are going to get me over the bar yeah 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 I could I, I wish I could say that I fully understand all of that, <laughs> but I definitely could just tell like how technical it has to be and like the dive, like really dive deep into it to be on like that level of like to, like even like getting close to like two meters. Mm -hmm. Two meters is that's high. That's yeah. high. And like they be going over that and be jumping high like that. So yeah, definitely uh yeah, being able to dive deep into that. I wish I could definitely understand that like a little bit more. I gotta try it out. I got I gotta I'm, get a high jump coach. So I'm still learning myself. It's nothing but physics. It's insane. And can you talk a little bit about so in 2016 is when you made your first uh, first Olympic trials. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and what you what you learned about yourself then? Because you were two years out from the world championship. Mm -hmm. You were with your your new coach at that point. Yes. Uh, like? It was not like junior world championships. You know, I got out there, everybody seemed to know what they were doing. And 2016, I think going into the trials, four of us had the standard, me included. And then at the trials, Anika McPherson jumped the standard as well. So there was a total of five of us with the standard fighting for three spots. And um, I think I was 20 when I went to my first trial. So my my focus and my attention to detail weren't as sharp as they are now, but I, at least I was able to go in 2016 to, you know, get my feet wet, to see what the experience is like, to help me now for, you know, this past Olympic trials. And what is like when you're down uh, and when you're down at the high jump, high jump, was it pit? High jump, it, it I guess you call it pit, pit, yeah. pit, yeah. But just down in like that area, what is the atmosphere? kind of like with everybody because you kind of just have to wait around and like you, you some people will pass these heights some people will take these heights what yep. is sort of the atmosphere with competitors are you kind of just like chilling like talking to nobody are you guys conversing about or just going to your coach what is it like for you see in 2016 that's what was so hard for me because people weren't conversing and I that was the first time and I'm like okay well I don't know if I should not be goofy then because I compete best when I'm happy yeah. But, um, you know, and it was a bunch of, it was some sight games. Shantae Lowe, also IE native. She, like, I didn't know that. I didn't know, I didn't that. know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. She a legend. And she a I legend. Think she went to, to North or King, one of the two. She was oh. in our league too. Yeah, come on. Come on, guys. Yeah, oh, we messing up, Aaron. We messing <laughs> up. We messing up. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. So I'm here. Hey, thank you. <laughs> but she, in warm ups, scissored 5'8. You know, in the competition, you're not ever going to do that. But I know it was a sight game saying like, look, I can do this. So yeah. it, it was a lot, you know, and obviously it was a lasting impression because five years later, I still remember that. 
that's beast <laughs> yeah that's right. so beast that's such a flex it's like it let me was. just show y'all what y'all working with might as well just flex right when she was done that but um cool. 2021 this trials was so different for me because i was now savvy to what other high jumpers do i was mm -hmm. now able to be content with myself and not have to talk to anybody else to get joy or anything like that. Um, I was able to also play strategic games. So it was, and what was also really delightful was having the younger group. In 2016, I was the younger group. Yeah. yeah. This go around, you know, I wasn't. So it was kind of cool to be an example. I was wondering right now too, like, since you were at the trials at 20, typically when someone says that they're in college at that moment, so they're competing year round. What was like, cause you were jumping at a pro level cause you, you, mm -hmm. hit, the, you hit the standard. What, what kind of meets were you going to? Were you still technically with Chafee or you were, or you were training with Sue in Austin at that time? Yeah, so I was just an unattached athlete. I had actually hit that Olympic standard in 2016, which was 194, I think at the Texas Relays. So, you know, I, I also, I wasn't going to any professional grade competitions. I ran into Vashti Cunningham rarely. Um, but, you know, like I said, there was, there was more, there was a bigger, or it was a better, I don't wanna say better. There was different competition back then because you yeah. had Patterson, Anika McPherson, Shantae Lowe, and you would see them randomly at different meets. Mm -hmm. So here and there, you would get a professional feel. And at that time as well, like how was it just being being like that unattached like athlete, like definitely as like a a, a jumper athlete as well, because like going there at like twenty years out, twenty years old, just to Austin, like Aaron was saying, not being that college athlete, you're still if you're still in college, you're still getting like that that professional trainer right. like with yeah. you everywhere you go, and oh, like you're yeah. getting you're getting some what's a, uh, some for diem as well mm -hmm. like all that stuff is still coming like if you're in ncaa and just like the, and just the attention because like she may have won ncaa's like if she was in college right. she would have been I mean, I probably would have hands down yeah let them know, let them know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, my bad i'm being disrespectful over here <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean to this day not competing as a collegiate track and field athlete does still have its moments where it's like, oh man, I was just talking to my coach about this a couple of weeks ago, that even when it comes to my body and knowing what it needs, how to rehab it, I'm still a little new to it because I didn't have all of the trainers and, you know, machines that college kids have. I, I, I was with ice baths and Epsom salt baths, you know, mm. and I'm sure there's more than that. <laughs> so I, I'm still learning to this day. It's, you know, gear was one thing. I was just like, Coach Sue, I'm out there and old Navy stuff, you know, everybody's out there and Adidas, Nike. And like, I just feel like an outcast. So it, it was a lot of mental. That was that an advantage to you though? Like feeling like an outcast at times, like knowing that you're you're from a different, like, what's the, what's the, I'm, I'm looking for a saying, it's like on the tip of my tongue. You're chopped from, you're chopped from a different block, cloth, something like that. From a different cloth, like from a different cloth. Cut, cut from a different cloth. Come on now, thanks, Aaron. Okay, <laughs> from a different cloth. I got what you were saying. Uh, yeah, I could have looked at it like that. And I think as I get older, I am more able to look at it like that. But back then it was just like a, a reminder of like, oh, Rachel, you dropped this scholarship. Like you could be here too with all this cool college stuff and all, you know, everything paid for. So it was just a sense of belonging, especially coming from a team sport, yeah. you know, and I, it's rare where you find an elite high jumper that you train with. So it was really just me and my coach for years, you know, so finding a belonging was really important to me. Yeah, and that makes sense that you say that because you talk how you talk about your coach, yeah. um, and like being like so, I could just imagine not having just a team in general when you're that young. You know, you're not competing for like the NCAA titles together or or for conference. You know, it's definitely easy. I mean, Joshua, you could speak onto this, and I feel like a lot of college kids could speak onto this not having college because of COVID. You know, getting that taken away for them and how upset they were so in your situation I can only imagine how hard that was but that definitely had to made you 
who who you are today. Oh, of course, it really. I mean, it's it was like a expedited learning adventure of the athlete I need to be. Like, I can't I can't be the athlete going to Europe expecting a team to come with me. Like, I have to be able to be self sufficient. So it just put me on the accelerated track to honing in that skill. Yeah, and then another thing that I wanted to touch on, especially just like on field event competition, because I was talking to uh, one of my coaches when I was at Mount Sac, like he was a, a former, he's the former, well, not the former, he is the Mexico uh, national record holder in the pole vault. But I feel like the, high, the elites in like the pole vault, they have like very much, they always like are competing each other against all the time, all the time. But I look at like the pole vault and I asked him like, how would you like compete against someone like Marlon Duplantis? Like someone who's so young, who's like just he like you you go against him and like this dude always wins he always wins yeah and like getting that 618 and 614 last year i believe indoor and out those world records but then same for like sort of high jump i know you don't get the uh jump against i don't really know how to pronounce your solva much your solva from uh russia oh, jumped like yeah. 2.2.02 mm -hmm. like something and she's she hasn't even turned uh, 20 yet I think right. she's 19 major yeah so like how is that I, I can see I could see that how it is on like the track because when you look at the track like any given day like something can happen someone can be beat like looking direct the best example for uh the track right now would be in the U.S. at least would be like uh Cole Hawker and Matthew Centrowitz mm -hmm. having this 19 year old beating the former Olympic champion and like it just happens like that on that day but when you go into the yeah. high jump competition when you have someone that has a higher height than you, like what's your mentality going into that day? And like, I can still win this competition. That's basically it, you know, Any, <laughs> anything could happen. So, yeah. you know, her PR might be 203, but today she might just jump 196, especially when it comes to the Olympics. Um, I don't, I would have to look, but I, I would almost guarantee she hasn't been there before. So with that being said, you know, there has to be nerves. There has to be a, like new experiences for her. So do I expect her to jump her best height? Probably not. Will I be prepared for it? Yes, absolutely. What was that saying, Joshua? Um, you told me that they say it at, over at USC. At USC. The respect to uh, the greatness but man we off on these it's been a while yeah. <laughs> no but but all that we off on these sayings today bro <laughs> all that all that reminds me of is like kind of like also as well we got to talk to nigel almost and like him talking about like running on blank pages or in your case like jump jumping on blank pages and not really knowing like he didn't really care who was really in front of him because i would just because like for me i never was uh Especially, I feel like with, with the bars, like high jump and pole vault, I just feel like it's always, there's always like that set height that they can yeah. get to. So like, are you jumping at like heights at like two meters or like simulating that as well, like in practice to like, just in case like, oh, if this comes through, we gotta, we gotta PR one day or something like we gotta- <laughs> We gotta get... PR one day, I might have to pull it out the bag. <laughs> like know? I got this PR in the bag, I don't know. I don't how that, that how that approach that kind of happens. High jump is a little difficult when it comes to practicing like two meters because at practice you won't have the adrenaline to get over that. So we actually yeah. have a ramp to, we'll put the bar up and, but I'll jump off of the ramp to simulate the timing and whatnot. And just seeing like, how tall is this? Um, Prairie View, I was able to attempt two meters and um, all three were good, great attempts. It was my first time ever seeing it. So I know I can get over it the more I see it. It's just, you know, a matter of seeing it is all. Is it fair to say, cause I feel like, I just think back to the high jumpers on my team. Like one of the high jumpers on my team was really, really talented, but like he just didn't have the technical skills down. Mm -hmm. Like he was able to jump so high. So I feel like a lot of jumpers, like, I don't know if this kind of what Joshua was trying to ask, but I feel like a lot of jumpers, like you can jump that height. Like you see that bar, you know, you can get up there, but it's just, when you get up there, bending right, being in the right position. And that's that's where the competition comes in. It's like, we all can jump high, but we're just, we're here to compete. And let's see who has um, the best like technical skills and under pressure when it happens. Yeah, under pressure, those are the key words. <laughs> because I, I don't know, 20 or at this last trial was my last attempt at 196. 
I will honestly say the pressure got to me and I, it wasn't mm. the same jump that I should have jumped. I didn't stick to what we had been practicing and what got me there. So yeah, you can be rattled. It's about composure and confidence in what you have been practicing. Speaking of practice too, we were just wondering like when the pandemic hit in 2020, you said you there was little things you had to work on. Like, mm -hmm. were you able to get to a track? And like, what is what is <laughs> practice without a track for a high jumper? What does that look like? We actually didn't get to a pit until maybe November of 2020. So it was a lot of visualization. It was a lot of, uh, I used to talk, or I still talk with Amy Acuff, like four-time Olympian, and um, just visualizing what she was trying to explain to me. Um, we did a lot of just, I wouldn't even say running, just a lot of strength work. But as far as what was I missing without the pit? Well, I was missing like actual jump practice, but it, I think it helped me because I had to then focus on things mentally and make that stronger. And also coming, well, I think it was coming into, into COVID, like you were running some indoor races on the track. She was at the, she was at 60, 60 meters nationals, Aaron, you know yeah. that? She was at a USATF nationals for the 60. In the 60? I didn't make the finals, yep. <laughs> she was running the four. How was it just when you have to go, when you have to run onto the track, how is it when you have to approach those, those times as well? Oh, I don't know why I decided to run. I have no <laughs> Oh, you weren't even trying? That wasn't like for training or nothing or? No, it was like Kotsu, I high jump. It's just, for, I was getting to the point at practice where I would throw my shoes. I was just so frustrated with what I was doing. So I was like, Kotsu, look, if I run the 400, you know, if I don't run fast enough, it's simple, just run faster. It's obviously <laughs> not that simple. <laughs> Cause that hurts. But um, it, you know, Going through my running days, I think I did it for one and a half seasons. I actually met a training group, the Bailey Bunch, where Gabby Thomas trains now. And um, okay. so I was able to finally find that sense of belonging and camaraderie through running. So it, it all worked out. And then when I went back to high jump in 2020, I was able to carry those friends and training partners over. So it was like, a, once again, the universe speaks. It was just meant to happen. That's yeah, conscious. Cool. Just stumbled on you, just mm -hmm. stumbled on you. Everything kind of just stumbled and came into place, and yep. and that's just that's just tight. I, that's that's tight. One of the, I we're about to close out the podcast with some closeout questions, but I think Aaron, like for sure, one of the best quotes that we've had. One of the other best quotes we have: Michael Granville he did three hundred push-ups and three hundred <laughs> sit-ups every single day. That was crazy. But another one just saying, "I had no mark and just I just kind of went back and went over it." That's that's <laughs> yeah. pretty, that's, that's crazy. Like she was about to touch the rim or something. Like yeah, you know, no, that's exactly. I mean, that's how terrible that's a statement. form I had. The fact that I could just <laughs> eyeball it and then run up to it. That's how like raw I was. That's that's, that's tight. That's tight. But also, thank you for coming on. We got some yeah, few closeout questions. Mm -hmm. And just because if you guys are watching the video, you can kind of see like her setup right now. And I was looking through your Instagram, like you, like it looks artistic. You got some guitars on the wall, got the, the Kobe thing. And I think you have a Instagram as well, like a page with like your art as well. And like you, yeah. you draw and stuff. So where did like this artistic um, capability like all come from? Yeah, background. Uh, you know, ever since I was a kid, I just love cartoons. And I, I, you know, I have a letter when I was maybe 13 years old that I wrote to Nickelodeon back when this show by the Wayne Brothers, Thugaboo was on. And I wrote a letter to Nickelodeon saying how much I wanted to be an animator and make cartoons for them. And the dream just never died. So I still try to practice. And I know one day with the trajectory that my track and field career was on, I'm gonna have an opportunity to also display my art. So I just wanna always stay ready. Hey, we're gonna be dope. ready too. We're gonna be look out. And also, I seen on your, I was just on your Instagram. You said the the Coraline, the Coraline. That one was dope. Oh yeah, Coraline's a, that movie's tight. That movie. Love that tight. movie. That movie's they, they scary, low key. That. That's why they need to make another one. There's no movie like it. For real, there is. I love claymations. Claymations always, always yeah. get me. I feel like you can just you just think about like how much work this actually like was put into it and like a great story on top of it all that stuff that's why they don't do them often yeah and then also we want to ask too like 
well, just a a random topic. Like, what type of music do you listen to? Or like, what were your some t- some of your top three favorite artists right now? I was I want to ask. Well, I can never leave out J Cole. His last album wasn't my favorite album, but I could just never leave him out. Like, he's just that great of an artist. That's cool. Um, I would say. Hey. I say Lil Uzi before now, like maybe like 2016. Lil Uzi, he, he was cool. I would say that too. I would say he that got too. he got too scary for you. you he just like, got too like. <laughs> I think it was just mainstream media. Like his music changed. He got what a he diamond in his forehead. And yeah, he, he's like a crystal gem now. I don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> crystal gem. <laughs> yo, he got the Rick and Morty Death Stone, Joshua. Are you watching? Oh, <laughs> yo, I love Rick and Morty. <laughs> I just watched that episode last night. I was like, that's a Uzi. He was predicting the future. Yes. <laughs> Wait, oh, I heard. It hurts when I laugh, bro. I got Oh, I'm sorry, bro. I got a question, too. Kind of going back to after track and field. Do you have a WNBA career? Like, are we going to see that? Like, I would Miller? love to. I always tell my coach that, especially when things get tough with high jump. I'm like, I'm just going to go back to basketball. But I would, <laughs> you know, I don't think that door is closed completely. I really don't. I still, I play pickup whenever I can, just not recently because that would be dumb. But I, I would love to. I'm, I'm trying to dunk. I've always said I can jump higher than Brittany Griner. So I'd love to show it. <laughs> I know you can dunk. You could be on the USA on the Olympic team. I know. I'm gonna go slide into one of their practices. Like that'd be Man. dope. Yeah, that'd be dope. Yeah, we gotta get you in the. We got. You gotta get this gold medal. Then you can get into celebrity there we go. basketball there game. We go. Ooh, that that'd be tight. They need to do Before that. Before we get off, can I can I say one thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah go okay. ahead. Sorry, my mother has just been like, Rachel, where am I at in any of these stories? So, real fast. Um, <laughs> You know, I I wouldn't be an Olympian without her. Like that's quite literal, especially this year. Um, Coming off of the Tucson meet, I wanted to go home. I wanted to go home to California because I was so just homesick and I was just going through some a lot. So if I would have went home, I would have missed the Prairie View meet. Uh, I was trying everything I could to go home, but the universe was just fighting back. But of course I plan on fighting harder so my mom calls me and she says, you know, Rachel, this is your journey, not ours. We're here to guide you. We're here to support you. But if this is what you want to do, then you need to do it. And we're not going to beg you to do it. So she just had a real heart to heart with me. And I ended up not going back home because of what she had told me. And um, I, you know, Prairie View Meet comes around and I jumped the 196. So I owe that Olympic standard to her because if it wasn't for that real talk she gave me, I wouldn't have even been at the meet. And I feel like sometimes too, it's like that one, that one moment of like unconditional love from your parents. Like yeah. it's able to be displayed in that moment. And like, it's just that one thing it leads to greater and better things. Like you never know when it's gonna come, but the unconditional love is always there and that yeah. that happened in your moment. That's dope. I'm, I'm so glad she had that heart to heart with me. Obviously I'm glad. But. Yeah, it takes a lot, it takes a lot of like pressure off and oh, yeah. it gives you like it gives you like a lot of confidence going into it just to know someone believes in you and just like no matter what happens, it's like, bruh, like it's all yeah. Gucci. Like we got exactly. you. We just here for you. We just here to help. Like exactly. that's all. That's what she was saying. She's like, we're not here to fight against you. Like, if you want to come home, come home. We're not going to stop you. But if this is what you want to do, then be out here and do that. So I, I listened, like I said earlier, the best <laughs> decision I ever made in my life. <laughs> but that was That's all. It. I just had to, I had to tell that important story. Oh, we appreciate you. Appreciate you letting us know. Mm-hmm. Glad appreciate you did. And then another question that we always ask at the end of the podcast, all our guests, Cause sometimes we don't know who to get on. We don't know who to get on. So we gotta ask like, who's somebody that we should have on the podcast? If it's a another jumper, another somebody, another field event, a runner, maybe somebody outside of that space. We trying to, we trying to, to like we global. I don't know. I, right. I, I had a question though too, Joshua, actually, before that, okay. before we close out. Think about Joshua's Think about that. The other question I had was about just like the high jump in general. Cause I was looking through the list and I only saw Vastai with Nike. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to ask like, is that common in the high jump? Like, have you been approached for, 
course sponsorship since qualifying for Olympics or are you sponsored or what does that look like in the field events? Um, it's so unfortunate for the field events. I'm not sure if it has to do with TV time or what. In my mind, we're out there for hours, so we should probably have the most TV time. But, you know, for some reason, the network would rather show the steeplechase or the 5,000 or something random going on while we're jumping. But yeah, it is very common within, you know, not just the high jump, but just field events. You, you almost have to be a medalist in order to pick up a simple sponsorship. Yeah, I was looking even at the men's. You had Eric Kennard, mm -hmm. who was sponsored, Jordan, maybe one other person. But now Javon Harrison just got a sponsorship, but he, he had to he had to win long jump and high jump to and get it. Double, right? He had to double to get it. And Eric Kennard is a silver, he's silver, rightfully gold medalist in the Olympics. Like, you know, Vashti yeah. Cunningham, reigning champ of everything. So yeah, you, you do see these shoe companies favoring these obvious medal holders. And, you know, in retrospect, it makes sense. You want to give money to the people that are give, getting you money. But I just, you know, of course, I wish that there was just enough to go around for more people, you know, competing on the same level. And I think there is, and I think that like, like we just went through this whole, your whole podcast, this whole podcast with you. You have a amazing, amazing story. Like she just straight up went like, like you said, she just straight up went like this, oh. jumped over the high jump. <laughs> you know, she, she went from university to Chafee to Olympian. Like that's a crazy story. And right. any sponsor out there, track, uh, track Smith, uh, like a apparel, apparel sponsor or a shoe or a shoe sponsor, they can help build and curate that story. That's what Absolutely. it's more so about. And that will help. I think that will help your brand. <laughs> I think that'll help your brand. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that like, God, I, that I out agree. There. I'm sure a sponsorship would help something. something. Exactly. Pocket, something. Like something Come you on. Know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. But yeah, yeah. Well, well, but on on that note back too, to as well. Yeah, back to the question: Who should who should we have on the pod? Do you guys ever have? Well, I'm not suggesting my coach, but do you guys ever have coaches on here? We haven't had a yeah, coach yet. We haven't had a coach yet, but we would have a coach on. Yeah, I feel okay. like we have had a coach on. Unless you haven't. No, no, we've been suggested a coach before, but we we haven't got one yet. I see. Well, maybe a coach because it's like you know same different perspectives same sport and like a coach has been there done that so they always have some knowledge to share some different for that and now what coach i i have no idea yeah <laughs> i'm so sorry coaches don't like to talk much too so if we could get a coach on to tell stories i mean i guess if you catch if you count michael johnson joshua or like otto or something yeah. Otto's a coach. Otto, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He, they, they do everything. They do everything. <laughs> he ain't really a coach though. He's, he's he is a coach guy. though, because he has a good, he has a great athlete. True, 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 true. I can't think of a name off the top of my head though. If I do think of one, I'll message you guys and let you know for sure. Yeah, let us know. Let's maybe you'll meet someone in Tokyo and be like, "Hey, y'all gotta go on the Two Black Runners podcast." Right, right. Let them know. Perfect. It's a great podcast. Two brothers, same mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, last question that we always ask everybody on the podcast, and that's really just, "What mark do you want to leave on the sport once you hang up the spikes and the high jump, leave the high jump pit, and walk away from it? What mark do you want to leave on it?" I want to inspire the generations behind me. Like I want to make track and field more accessible. I know for me, it was really hard just to navigate. Where do I go after I'm done with the like school? Like there's nationals, there's, you know, I just want to, I want to make the public more knowledgeable. That's, that's what I want to leave behind. And hopefully, you know, get track and field on networks year round because we don't just show up every four years, things like that is make us more public. Like we're, we're the world's greatest athletes over basketball, over mm -hmm. football, hands down. So let's act like it. I love to hear it. And we got to do a better job, Joshua, too. We got to get more field event, more field events on here, bro. Know, it's un it's unacceptable that only one person has sponsorship in the high jump. That's unacceptable. unacceptable. Completely. completely. Yep. 
Maybe we gotta get Shantae low. I didn't know she went to she from Riverside. She would probably hey. be really happy to be on here. Um, I don't talk to her often, but I do talk to her. Hey, we gotta do that. We'll see. Yeah, we gonna make it happen. We gonna make it happen. We on that same mission to try and bring track. Like, come on, man. Everybody out here was talking about Shakari ain't running at the Olympics. They better be watching that pre-classic. You feel me? She running that pre-classic. They better be watching. You feel me? They ever, they want they so excited to see her see her run the one, the two. They, they didn't even watch, watch it. They just saw the Instagram. They were excited to be on the comments in the That's comments it. section. They just saw her uh, at the clock. Like, yeah, they didn't <laughs> want to see, bro. <laughs> they better be watching at the free classic. That's what I'm saying. NBC, they're tuning. Yes, I, I hope they do. I can't wait to see her run at the pre classic because I'm pretty sure Gabby's running too. Oh, that's going to be. Gabby's yeah. my homie. So that's going to be good. Rep Gabby. That's going to be good. Definitely the two. They need yeah, to do that too. The show, yeah, because Terry's running the two, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, one and the two. She's running the one and Hey, yeah, that's gonna be fire. That's gonna yeah, be good. right. <laughs> that's gonna be good. But Rachel, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Like Aaron said at the beginning of the pod, you're part of the Two Black Runners family, Running Report family. Now we really do appreciate you and just pulling on for the 909 and 951. We'll sneak that on. But it, we really, we really do appreciate it. Like. It means a lot to see somebody from like our community do these big things and show it's all possible. Wish you the best of luck in Tokyo. And we're definitely going to be tuning in, like for sure, for sure. Definitely tuning in for your journey, for sure. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a lot of fun. No problem. See y'all next week on Two Black Tuesday. Let's get it. <laughs>